Folk Squad Goals is proud to partner with Monthly Maine. If you have long hair, then you know the feeling of constantly being on the hunt for hair ties and bobby pins. Plus, it's hard to read books when your hair is in your face. Enter Monthly Maine. Monthly Maine is an affordable hair tie subscription box that delivers you a monthly supply of all your hair accessory needs, no matter your lifestyle. Plus, each box has a motivational, encouraging theme to help you stay in the right mindset to reach your 2020 goals. With all the hustle you've got planned this year, let Monthly Maine help you achieve more and worry less. Visit monthlymaine.com. That's monthly, M-A-N-E.com to start your subscription today. Welcome to Book Squad Goals. Uh, we have a very special vampire episode today, and it's extra special because we have a special guest. Um, and I, I thought you were about to say a special vampire <laughs> yeah. guest. Well, I was going to say, it's very interesting. I feel like um, <laughs> this works on many levels because much like his most recent book, we're a group of ladies who get together and talk about books, um, and we have invited... A stranger. <laughs> into a our strange circle. man into our And I'm hoping, I'm hoping your mortality <laughs> okay. rate's a little lower than it is for the women in the book. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yes. Um, but yes, Grady Hendrix is here with us today. He um, has a new book coming out, which we will be talking about a little bit later. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a vampire book. And so... To uh, pair with his book, I thought we would talk about the new-ish, it came out in January here in the U.S., um, BBC slash Netflix series Dracula, because Dracula is, you know, a classic vampire. Uh, the. The classic. <laughs> the classic I mean, there, there are others. We can talk about <laughs> that. But, you know, he's the one that most people think about. Um and to get us started and just, you know, get the conversation flowing, we are going to start with a little vampire quiz that friend of the podcast, Mary Kay, wrote for Book Riot. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Mary Kay. If you want to take the quiz along with us, we will put the link in the show notes. So let's start the quiz and you can take it along with the squad and Grady right now. And if you like horror, so, definitely check out yeah. Mary Kay's podcast, Everything Trying to Kill You. It's very good. Yes, and Grady was recently on an episode of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. talking about The Hunger, which I forgot had so much sex in it before I told them they need to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, David Bowie. I think they were shocked. <laughs> um, now I have to watch okay. that. I should watch that. Yeah. Well, you know, Kelly I and I are doing it. movie David dates Bowie. Now. We were yeah. going to do the visit for our next movie date. Yeah. Way. If, if anyone wants that. to join us. Anyway. Woof. <laughs> um, the visit is great. It is. It's fun. Whatever. Anyway. Quiz. The first question on the quiz. It's time to go out on the town. What's your hype music? Grady, you go first. Since you're the guest. Oh, God. Um, that took me by surprise. Um, <laughs> my hype music? 
You know, right now I'm going through a real like early 90s one hit wonder kind of thing or mid 90s. So I'm listening to a lot of I was just listening to Ace of Base and Four Non Blondes. Oh my God, I love Ace of Base. Ace of Base. (laughs) so much. Yeah, top 40. Yeah. 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 I'm going to, I'm going to just say I agree. Top, I'm a, I'm a pop type girl. So I'm going to go top 40. All right. Well, I'm going to go next. When I say I, I mean Susan is going next. Um, and I'm going to choose um, My Hunger is My Motivation because I arrange all of my Spotify playlists according to moods. So I would say I could definitely see like a mm. hunger playlist being hunger. Yeah, is a mood. Mood. You need so a hunger that's playlist. What I'm yeah. Nice. Um, this is Kelly. Hi, Kelly. I'm going to pick 1980s alt or punk rock because I feel like yeah, that's great. Because you're the goth one. Because I'm the goth one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so goth. I'm going to say 80s, 80s punk rock too. This is Mary. Yes. And I'm going to say 80s alt or punk rock also. Cool. Okay. What do you wear when you're on the prowl? Uh, oh, I'm, boy. I'm going for the most southern answer, which is my Sunday best. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, let's see. This is hard. These are all Should good, we read them just in case people didn't want to look up the quiz while they're listening? Okay, you do it. I don't want to talk. I'll read them really quick. Okay. So there's my Sunday best. There's wear my sweet child of the night. I don't wear anything. I transform. Chanel number five. Oh, darling, I do not prowl. I have people to do that for me. Matching sweats until they get sweaty or bloody. I haven't really thought about it. I try to blend in. It's all about the element of surprise. Sometimes I tailor my outfit to the victim I've been stalking. And, well, this was my prettiest dress when I was mortal, and I still look amazing in it. So. I'm going to go with, I'm going to pick the Libra answer. I try to blend in, and sometimes I tailor my outfit to the victim I've been stalking. Because that's what a Libra vampire would do. Creepy. I'm Emily, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned that yet. Hmm. I am gonna say that I don't wear anything. I transform. That feels like an Aquarius answer That's for fine. one, oh, and also, no. <laughs> like right now, my quarantine look during the day. If I were to put on a night look, it would be a complete transformation. So I just feel like this is also topical <laughs> for me. Um, I'm gonna say this was my prettiest dress when I was mortal, and I still look amazing in it. Yeah. Seems right. Uh, I'm gonna say sweats. I would like to interpret sweats as like leggings, though. Yeah, lounge. I think these are all up, to, up for interpretation. You know, so like, yeah. Okay, how do you determine which victims to turn into fellow vampires? I don't do that. How loyal <laughs> is he to me, or are they sexy? <laughs> So I'm going to go for I don't do that. I've never understood the need for vampires to make other vampires. Yeah. yeah. I guess they're lonely. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think I would do that either. I wouldn't. And it, maybe we'll get into this, but like, I would not want to be a vampire. So I would not want to do that to somebody else. Hmm. So I would say I don't do that. I'm definitely going to go with are they sexy? <laughs> <laughs> the only kind of vampires I like to watch are the sexy ones. So yes, that's the one I agreed. Would, I would just yeah. want to make more of those. Um, I'm gonna go with how loyal is he to yeah. me? As a huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, my favorite um, vampire-related property. Uh, there's a lot of uh, stock put into like 
a vampire, like, who's your maker and, like, who, you know, there's, like, like, the people or the vampires that got made by other people turning against each other and all this stuff. So it's, like, if you're gonna turn someone into a vampire, like, they better be a person who you think is gonna not fuck you over because, like, Mm -hmm. if they become more powerful than you somehow or if they, like, get in with another vampire and then decide, like, oh, like, I don't need you, I have this other one, you know. Gotta be careful. So. You know way more about vampires than I do. I I mean, I watched Buffy. Like, that's about it. <laughs> that's 100% more than I have watched. <laughs> I've watched a lot of vampire TV shows. That's about the extent of my vampire knowledge. I'm gonna say I don't do that, because it never turns out well. Yeah. It never turns out well. Like, we get somebody like Claudia in an interview with the vampire, or we get whatever was happening in Kindred. <laughs> Mm, yeah. It's never good. So I'm going to say I don't do that. Do you enjoy looking at crucifixes? Um, yeah, I I would say I'm going with is that still a thing? Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure about the whole vampire crucifix thing in the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with no because I don't. I'm not <laughs> religious, so like it would like, yeah. I, I just think I'm not. Um, as the token Jew of the group, <laughs> I also I'm gonna have to say no. Um, I'm gonna say, <laughs> is that still a thing? Also, because yeah, it kind of seems like in the modern era, like that doesn't hold that much power. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Ditto. Me too. Ditto. Uh huh. Okay. Where? Do you typically do your killing? Uh, ooh, okay. One of these answers is very long. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, I can read them. My killing or my seducing, granted, they are almost never mutually exclusive. The bedroom, of course, and I never have trouble getting invited in. I have people do that for me. Wherever I'm able, whenever I'm able. Or I like to start at dinner, sometimes a restaurant or at a party, where I find a boy of high class and pretty face, and then I go for a more matronly (laughs) highbrow type, although these I typically find at an opera or a more aristocratic venue. I like to end the night in the less noble parts of the city, near the shore. I feel like I know what vampire that is. (laughs) Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah, I'm going to go for wherever I'm able, whenever I'm able. I just feel like if you're a mortal, you want to sort of mix it up, keep it different, stay Mm -hmm. interested. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with the long answer because clearly that's Lestat. So <laughs> the goal is to get Lestat gaming the system. <laughs> See, when yeah. everyone was like, "I know who that is," I was like, "I have no idea who that is." I only because so, I watched. That's where Emily I'm coming at this from. with a vampire not that long ago. I've seen it, but I saw it a long, I, I long time ago. I am an interview with a vampire fan. So actually, I saw it as I was recovering from surgery once. So I might have been like in and out, you know. Whoa. Um, yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kind of stick with the theme of my earlier answers and say my killing or my seducing. Granted, they're almost never mutually exclusive because it sounds like I was going down a kind of a sexy path. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go down the other sexy path, which is the bedroom, of course, and I never have trouble getting invited in. (laughs) You know, I think that, like, if I could, if I have to be murdering, if I could do it, like, laying down, that's ideal. So (laughs) that's gonna be my answer. Yeah. I will, I will say wherever. Not picky. <laughs> she just puts on her sweats and goes wherever. 
I put on my sweats and I <laughs> head out. Interesting. Okay. Um, where is the lie in our vampire lore? That Dracula was the first of us, that we fear the crucifix, the church, holy water, etc. Or lie? Question mark. I'm going to be really boring and serious and go for Dracula was the first of us because it's just not true. Yeah, that one's like really not true at all. What about the vampire? So, yeah, I'm going to have to say that. Because that's just not, that's not right. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say lie, because <laughs> I feel like that's what a confused person would pick if they didn't know the answer. To <laughs> so that's what I'm what? doing. Because <laughs> Susan has no info about vampires. Yeah, I'm really not sure. All of those could be true, yeah. for all I know. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go again for the, the crucifix church holy water one, because... Uh, I feel like that's some bullshit. <laughs> I got. I gotta say that Dracula was the first of us because you know Alexander Valent taught me better. <laughs> yeah, uh, I took a whole class. Shout out! Shout out to Alexandra yeah. again. This is the second episode in a row that we have mentioned our professor Alexandra Valent. I just want to point that out because she's awesome. Yeah, she is. But we read we read novels that predated Dracula that were also about vampires. So. Yeah. You know. Um, how do you prefer to eat? The fresher, the better. I go for the jugular. Slowly, I don't want to waste anything, and I like to savor the taste. I am served for <laughs> often. Wow. I'm going to say slowly, um, just because that seems like good survival skills. You know, you don't want dead bodies all over town with holes in their necks. That's true. I'm going to say often because especially right now that I'm stuck in my house, I've been eating a lot. So that just seems topical. I'm also going to say often. I'm also going to say slowly. (laughs) Mary, which way are you going to go? Are you going to pick something new? I'm going to say the fresher, the better. All right. Switching it up. So okay. babies or? Well, Mary Kay, this is a long quiz. It is Mary Kay. Why We're did you do this to us? Is this the last question? Yeah. Yes. Okay. What is the most annoying thing about mortals? Uh, okay. Um, they always try to negotiate as if anyone could change my mind once I've decided on something. They die. They don't savor the short lives they have. Why should I value their lives when they do not? And um, the last answer is I'm not annoyed. I pity them. Oh, I don't like any of these answers, but I'll go for I'm not annoyed. I pity them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where is everything? <laughs> um, All of the above. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to go with they don't savor the short lives that they have. I'm also going to go with I'm not annoyed. I pity them. I don't know why. I just feel like I'm kind of <laughs> an, like a mean vampire. I'm a mean <laughs> kind of stuck up. You're really like trying vibe. to develop a persona here. <laughs> yeah. But that's, like, the nicest answer, probably. But it's, like, I pity you because I'm better than you, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say that answer, too, but I, like, genuinely think that, like, being a human is, like, so fucked up and sad. So, like, (laughs) I truly uh, do pity us. Whoa, what happened? You got your answer. Yeah, but then it disappeared immediately and I didn't read anything. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll worry about too. that in a minute. 
Okay. Worry about that. Anyway. I, Mary, pick. I'm gonna say they die because I think I would get real lonely. Yeah. Real quick. Um, I really liked my answer, but yeah, it also immediately disappeared. Um, so here's a thing about Book Riot that's annoying. Their quizzes, it's really hard to read the answer because it goes away real fast. Yeah. So, um, we're not going to read the whole answer because it's long. Yeah. Um. Let's say what we got. But we can just say what we got. Yeah. I, I got the girl from Lit the Right One In, so I'm a, I'm a 12 year old Danish girl. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's that's a great one. Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, I got all three brides. <laughs> no. I don't feel like that's a very good result. From Dracula? But I'm assuming, yeah. Um, I don't know who that was that I got, because it disappeared so fast and I don't recognize any vampires, so it was black and white. Was it Nosferatu? Maybe, because it looked old. It was an old... Was it was it Dracula? I'm gonna say it was either <laughs> Dracula or Nosferatu. It was like it was an old looking black and white man mm-hmm. vampire. Did he have hair? Uh-huh. He had black hair. I mean, I think it was probably Dracula. Let's say that it was Dracula. <laughs> I'll take it. This is the problem when it disappears too fast and you don't know any vampires. <laughs> Maybe when the ad wait 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 the ad went away the ad went away. It's Dracula. Oh my god. This <laughs> and is gone again. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Well, I got I'm really happy with my my result, which is that I got the girl from A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. I still have not seen that. I love that movie. Definitely check it out. I also got that and I haven't seen that movie. <gasps> you, so. you it's on Netflix, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Or it was at least before. Yeah. I watched it like I when I was in it. college, I think. Um but it's a really, really great movie. Uh, check it out. Okay. This is a motley crew of vampires here. We made it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Susan and I are kind of married. So. Hot. There's that. Oh, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. You know. It's what I always wanted. Okay. Well. That was an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and we are only just beginning. Um, we're here to talk about, again, since that was so long ago, uh, a TV series on Netflix. You can watch it right now. There are three episodes. Um, it's Dracula. The summary is short. It's a TV series inspi- inspired by Bram Stoker's Dracula, which follows the bloodthirsty Count as he travels from Transylvania to London. It's created by Mark Gaddis mm-hmm. and Stephen Moffat, who you might know from uh sherlock and doctor who i believe yep never seen doctor who but i like sherlock so anyway (laughs) i feel like we have some feelings about the show so let's let's talk about it um just you know to to start off because i know some of us have read the book dracula some of us haven't that's fine too uh but I very quickly, as I was watching this show, realized that I had to just let go of this being an adaptation of Dracula because there's not, it's not very faithful to the book. There are a lot of changes. Um, 
it's interesting because I watched an interview with these guys. They were at a Comic-Con and before the show came out, and they thought that they were very faithful to the book. <laughs> Pardon? Um, I haven't even I read the book. <laughs> and I know that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess we should so, say we will spoil some things. Oh, yeah, we're going to yes, spoil everything. Uh, we will be spoiling Dracula. If, uh, if you, you have haven't not, watched the miniseries, it's out now. Don't. But if you haven't read the book, it has been out since the early 1900s. Or late 1800s, or early 1900s. 1897, late 1800s. I think. So, you know, it's not right. new. Right, 1897. I wrote it down right here. Um, yeah, so let's talk about some of the changes this new series has made and how we feel about some of those changes. Who would like to start? Uh, I will. Okay, so I have read Dracula, but it was a long time ago. But I did immediately recognize this as, like, not really that Dracula. Um, but the first episode, mm-hmm. at least, is more in that in that place that the novel Dracula, Dracula inhabits. Place. <laughs> um, after that, I don't know what... Yes, we have a castle. Uh, ...happened or why. So I'm going to leave off there and let someone else take over. Susan out. I had I had a harsh reaction to this <laughs> series for some reason. Yeah. I mean, it did have a lot of similarities, right? I mean, there's the three big locations, which, you know, back in the old country, wherever that happens to be in Dracula's castle, and then on the Demeter, and then in England. Um, and, you know, they had some of the hallmarks, right? They had, they, they really played up the whole sort of like... Um, overly solicitous host stuff with Jonathan Harker in the castle uh, in the first episode. In the second one, you know, the Demeter, I guess they made more out of it than the book does. And then they did, you know, there's always someone with a German accent who's an annoying know-it-all. So, you know, mm-hmm. Van Helsing in every case, in this case, a nun. <laughs> um, and uh, and they also really did the, there's a lot of fish out of water stuff that Dracula does when he comes to England. And I guess they did that this time with sort of the the, he's out of time rather than sort of like mm-hmm. out of a country he's familiar with. But um, yeah, apart from that, it was, it was um, not, not a lot like the book at all. Not, not much Mina Harker, who's pretty much the main right. character of the book. Um, yeah. And way too much Van Helsing. Who's like the most boring thing in the book. <laughs> um, and it all seemed to revolve around Lucy, who's sort of out about a little over halfway through. So yeah. yeah. Um, and way more edgelord. so much more i was just like gagging in the last episode like ah okay dracula you fear death okay (laughs) just like this is awful um well he doesn't fear death he's embarrassed wasn't that the big the big revelation that dracula feels awkward about being a vampire yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. honestly i was so over it (laughs) that i just kind of um, I heard the words and I was watching it, but <laughs> my respect had left by sort of like the final monologue of the show. I mean, I will say saying that, you know, about the last episode, which I had some major issues with, I really kind of enjoyed the first two episodes. They're campy. Dracula's over the top and like very dramatic. The writing isn't good. <laughs> no. Like, it's just insistent on vampire puns, which I love a pun. I love a vampire pun. 
But it was just a lot after a certain point. There were some moments that were genuinely funny. Like oh, yeah. I, when <laughs> when Van Helsing says, who gave him the Wi-Fi password? Um, it's my name. I lost Well, it. it's, yeah. it's the second uh, iteration of Van Helsing. So just Helsing. Yes. She dropped the van. Helsing. <laughs> but uh, that's I, mean, I think where I have to give this credit, excuse me, as an adaptation is that a lot of things that I think get left out of sort of vampire lore or even particularly Dracula adaptations is he does some super weird things that Dracula actually does in the book that were surprising to me having read the book much later than I saw Dracula adaptations. Because I had seen so many movie adaptations of Dracula before I read the book. He can do stuff like control the weather and control small animals and specifically wolves and and shapeshift and that's really interesting stuff that i think sometimes gets left out so seeing that and especially seeing that played up and integrated into the plot was interesting that doesn't necessarily make it all good or a good adaptation but i did i didn't think it was interesting that some of those things were included and i was happy to see that yeah We've kind of talked about it a little bit, but I think one of the big changes from the book to the um, movie is Van Helsing. Uh, First of all, like you were saying, Grady, she's a much bigger character. She's also a woman in this. Um, They took something that was more minor in the book when Jonathan Harker goes to the nunnery and make and blow it up and like that Van Helsing is actually a sister and she sort of gets involved that way and then later on Van Helsing's what was it grand niece great 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 grand niece great grand niece yeah 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 I was like it's gotta be gotta be very just far enough niece, removed right? that she anyway, shouldn't look great, great exactly niece. the same I would say exactly. <laughs> yeah. Emily and I were discussing. We like, I'm pretty work. sure that's not how genetics work. Like I don't even look exactly yeah. like my mom. Like, I don't think I'm going to look like no. my great, great aunt. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it becomes this through the span of the three episodes, it becomes this sort of like rivalry slash strange mutual respect between um, Van Helsing and Dracula that, is I think to me different from how I read their dynamic in the book. Um, so I thought that was a pretty major change. And I know Grady said that Van Helsing is kind of a boring character. I don't know how you felt about uh, this Van Helsing. Yeah. She was a lot funnier, you know, in the book uh, Dracula pretty much has nothing but contempt for Van Helsing. So it was, it was nice to see them as sort of this like, um, uh, you know, um, who's afraid of Virginia Wolfie kind of couple, mm. <laughs> uh, like a dysfunctional couple. I, I really, I, I really thought I got, it was, yeah, I got really hung up on the fact that they have to like die together at the end. Yeah, I'm like, I, yeah. I don't know. That, I, I was just kind of like, I don't know, maybe she wants to like hang around to the end of her like natural life span and then feel, well, I guess, I don't know, would sunlight destroy her or would she just have to feel really, really embarrassed and that would destroy her? <laughs> I can't quite tell. Um, because it seemed to, it seemed to be suggesting that if a vampire totally didn't feel embarrassed about anything, then they would be 
invulnerable. Yeah. yeah, it was confusing because... I mean, but everyone feels embarrassed about stuff, so... Oh, yeah. Right. It was confusing because, like, in the first episode when we see the sun reflect off of him, reflect off of Jonathan Harker and onto Dracula, and it forms, like, a cross over his face or whatever, and he does get burned and, like, falls over and everything... But then in the final episode, when the sun shines on him, it's like, oh, it doesn't burn you because it can't actually hurt you. And I was like, but didn't it hurt him earlier? I w- like, But it hurt him because he believed it would or something like that. Right. But didn't he believe it, it yeah. would when that was happening in the third episode, too? And then he, w- he was, like, writhing around on the floor for, like, five minutes. And then all of a sudden he was like, what? Like, I'm fine. <laughs> uh <laughs> I also feel like I also feel like just to jump in on that for a second, you know, is Sister Agatha, or I guess, can we just refer to the character as the same name? Yeah, whether she's the great great grannies. Yeah. Like, is she a yeah. licensed therapist? Like, she's given Dracula <laughs> all this therapy that kills him. Like, I'm like, is she licensed to do that? Because that's terrible. If like you finish, you know, helping your patients deal with their neuroses and then they just die, they <laughs> just want to kill themselves. I'm gonna go with no. Yeah, she's that's not. what happens when you actually finish therapy. Um, you just die because you have solved everything. Yeah. You're like, I'm no, this fine. is good for me because I'm yeah. never gonna. My finish dad it. is always asking me because yeah, my dad's always asking me because I'm in therapy. He's always asking me like, so like, have you worked everything out now? <laughs> like, is it fine? And I'm like, no. I think like once you reach that level, you do just. Ascend. Yeah, yeah the thing is, like, I've yeah. worked out older stuff, but, like, stuff keeps happening to me, so I have to keep going. Um, but I... <laughs> well, Dracula worked out everything. Yeah. So um, I will say, you know, I haven't read the book, um, so, like, I, j- I can't speak to how different Van Helsing is, um, but I did actually enjoy, like, if there's anything in this whole series that I enjoyed, it was... Uh, that character specifically specifically in the first and second episode I feel like it was in the third episode it kind of having her be the the great niece was kind of weak because she like didn't seem to be that different of a character she just like had a British accent instead (laughs) and like not even not even really a British accent yeah it's it, pretty similar. It was just kind of like, well, at the end, she started also speaking in the German accent because, like, Agatha mm-hmm. was speaking through her. Uh, yeah. But, like, it, what, whatever. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But the point is, <laughs> I liked I liked the idea of, of a character that – and this, like, I feel like this whole episode I'm sounding very, like, anti-religious. But um, I liked the idea of a nun, like, who has sort of – because you, you never really get, at least from what I've seen of, like, characterizations of nuns in in movies and in TV, like, a nun who is kind of, like, still tied to the church, but she's not actually, like, interested in what the church has to offer. And there's a point in the first episode when she says something like, you know, he asks her, like, well, if you're not if you don't, like, believe in this, then why are you still doing this? And she's like, like many women, like, I am trapped in a loveless marriage so that I can have a roof over my head. And I was like, you know, fair point. And (laughs) I wonder how many, like, women who have been nuns throughout history have felt that way. Like, I feel like nuns are always presented as, like, pious and, like, like, always, like, in it for the right reasons and, you know, I just kind of liked the idea of a sort of corrupt nun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I liked that. 
aspect of her character. And I did think she was funny. Yeah. Well, I definitely think you're right. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I enjoyed it. But I also like, is that like, we always like sassy nuns, like sassy, yeah. like sister act or the sound of music <laughs> or like dead man walking. Like, you know, there was an element of this that was very like Maria and Captain Von Trapp in the sound of music. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I would love to see these two actors play Maria and Captain Von Trapp yes. in a revival. Yeah. I think they could do it. That I would love, <laughs> honestly. He can he can bring out his brides to sing the so long farewell mm-hmm. song. And, oh yeah. yeah, that would be really nice. Um, <laughs> or all the little kids from the last episode. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. The little, little little ghost children. Suck your blood. <laughs> We can we can work. But on it was the almost song. more like three little mini movies than like a TV episode. Yeah. series. like like the first one was yeah. sort of like okay, edgy modern day revisionist take on Dracula, um, and then the second one was sort of like murder mystery, knives out meets the love boat, like with <laughs> with Dracula. Yeah, and then the third one was like your basic Netflix European police procedural, you know, that usually starts yeah. with them finding the corpse of someone in the mm-hmm. field and being like, how is this here? Um, it felt like Black Mirror to me. Yes. Yeah. I said bit. that out loud at one with point as loose, I was watching the last episode. The loose theme. <laughs> the loose theme of Dracula. Yeah, I texted Emily and I was yeah. like, this feels like Black Mirror, but in a bad way. Like <laughs> the bad episodes where it's like, like the most recent everyone's like in a club, but something is like sort of wrong and it's like, but we're British, but like <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of broke it down as the first episode is the Jonathan Harker in the castle episode. It's the closest vibe to the original book. Episode two is the ship episode, which feels like a murder mystery where we already know who committed the murder. So it's like, weird that it's a murder mystery because yeah. like it's not a mystery to us at all and then the mystery is like who's in yeah. the sick cabin part mm-hmm. right but and where the chess game know. is yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah but we but we kind of know right like i, d- I did not know well, i didn't know the chess game all right well just me then. emily's like emily's really good at stuff so like she knew emily's but, really good yeah. at, at figuring out <laughs> plots yeah, I'm, I'm the one that never sees I'm the just twist coming. My I don't know what that says about me, but I, yeah, I'm very gullible. <laughs> like there have been entire books where Emily's read like the first chapter and said, "Well, obviously this is what happens at the end," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, it depends for me. I think like when I when they were like having the chess game, I was like, I must have like missed something at the end of the first yeah. episode. So I'm, I guess I'll figure it out. <laughs> I thought I might have missed a whole episode. Yeah. Like I thought I might have skipped <laughs> forward one. <laughs> And back and I was like, no, never mind. Well, then they made it. Then they made it like the most lame choice ever. It's just a dream. Oh, I know. Yeah. So, like, it's also a really boring, boring dream. Like, if if you're going to be having a dream while you're in this like blood coma, can it be like a dream? Like you're you're playing chess with a talking ostrich and a top hat. Like, yeah, like a more fun dream. Yeah. Yeah, and why is it chess? Why not? Isn't it like I don't know. Uh, Twister or something. <laughs> Twister. Like, no, it's just like a. If really it were a real dream, dream, it would be a different game every five minutes. Yeah, like, exactly. And it would be like chess, but and not. You think you were playing chess, and then it would be Twister. It would be like you yeah. were playing chess, but all the pieces were live ducks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
like more Alice in Wonderland and less BBC budget that says you really only get one set for this one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So you're going to need to use it in dreams saying, and reality. I kept saying that. <laughs> I was like, okay, so this is the castle episode. Everything's in the castle. This is the boat yeah. episode. We've got this for one up. This is the boat episode. Everything's going to be on the boat. Then and we then have the club episode where the whole third episode takes place <laughs> in the club. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I found it really interesting. So in the contemporary episode, you know, Lucy is in the club with her suitors and uh at one point Jack gets a text and leaves and goes to this Jonathan Harker Foundation and all of this stuff happens and then he gets a text from Lucy like, "Where where are you?" and I was like, "Has Lucy been in the club this For whole time?" Yes. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. I was like, Lucy's just been like, man, Jonathan's been in, I mean, not Jonathan, um, Jack's been in the bathroom for a, a really long, long time. time. Yeah. Like, She's either been in the club or back? like in a limo on the way to a different club. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, so what? I'm 22. And I'm like, yeah, I totally rode in limos to clubs when I was 22. What kind of 22-year-old student? Also, the part where she's like, it's not like I'm going to get married. And then five seconds later, she gets proposed to. I was like. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, that was when the episode lost me. <laughs> but also, her real problem I could empathize with is that she's so beautiful, it's hard mm-hmm. for people to take her seriously. <laughs> like, that's how I go through life. Yeah, same. I think we all experience yeah. that. Yeah. Suffer from that. Yeah. They found something really relatable. <laughs> yeah, it's just everyone smiles at me all the yeah. time, and I just want to know what it would be like if, like, somebody looked at me and didn't think I was... She's like, well, I look exactly like Tessa Thompson. Just once. Yeah. And then she does find out what that's like, and she's like, kill me right now, immediately. (laughs) Please. Yeah. Um, Speaking of looks, though, I want to talk about the first episode really quickly, just about, like, the makeup and all of that stuff. How disgusting it is. This is when I was actually kind of excited about where things were going, because I thought the first episode was really, like, almost like campy 80s horror movie. And I thought that's like how the whole thing was going to be. So I was kind of into it. Yeah. Like, Harker looks ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> Why did he have a knobby head? I, I don't, don't know. <laughs> that's what happens when you die, apparently. But Dracula doesn't have a knobby no. head. It was better Dracula than... Dracula just so keeps getting Kelly hotter. And I rewatched the the Keanu Reeves one. Uh... And for, it's better than why. in that one where Keanu Reeves has aged, but, like, the only thing is, like, they've sprayed some gray in his hair and he looks, like, the same other Well, and also, like, old Gary Oldman, like, as old Dracula has, like, full, like, Queen Amidala hairpiece with, like, yeah. two giant, like, cinnamon <laughs> buns. And, like, his forehead goes, like, back to here and then it's, like, hair. It is insane. Yeah. yeah. It's funny that you said butthead because I thought they were boobs. Well, but, you know, they also kind of like boobs. I love that movie either. so much. <laughs> it's very, it's very campy. I had never fun. seen it. Yeah. I had never seen any Dracula related adaptation or read any Dracula Kelly. thing until this, and I was like, I really need to watch something else so that this isn't the only thing that I've seen. Uh, so we watched the movie, and like, I loved it. Um, and I also, ju- it made me even more disappointed that Jonathan Harker on the show is, like, the most, like, basic. It's, like, you could have Keanu Reeves uh, looks-wise 
and you have this man who is like so it's like he looks so old and terrible and you're like oh I wonder like what this transformation is going to be like and then it's like he still looks kind of gross he's just like younger a little bit shots fired I'm just being honest (laughs) I like their choice to make Jonathan Harker kind of an old boring spouse you know like I was like okay I, I can get that um, but then Mina was just an idiot. Like, I but thought they'd be playing not. up that he was old and boring, but she was just lame. Yeah. Mina's, yeah. Mina's, Mina's so cool really in smart. the book. Yeah. At the end, since Mina was still around and was, like, paired off with Van Helsing, and then um, Harker was, like, maybe not dead, and Dracula had just come in, I thought the direction this was going to go was, like, Mina and Van Helsing were going to team up and, like, become yeah, that's what I thought. a vampire hunting duo and it was going to be really campy and funny and weird. <laughs> I don't know. I just, in my head, I was like, that's where we're going and I like it. And I said that to my husband. He had already watched it, so he had to watch it again with me. And he kind of didn't want to and I was like, why? Normally he's down. And, and he did that for you and that's true. He only watched the first. Wow. Is your marriage <laughs> <He okay>? wa- <laughs> It's brand new and we're quarantined so we're really it's a testing new marriage, it with this. So. Um, <laughs> he's packing right now. Yeah, no. You know, I haven't he's heard like, him have in a, a while. Hours while <laughs> <busy>. No. <laughs> um, but he only watched the first episode with me and I was like, he's like, well, what do you think is going to happen? So I told him that and he was like, oh, yeah, that would have been cool but that's not at all. <laughs> what it's gonna be and i was like dang it and he was like well you watch the other two by yourself and let me know what you think (laughs) so i did i just imagine him like patting your leg like well i'm gonna leave you to it so he only finished it because he has to finish things that he starts no matter how bad they are yeah whereas i have very comfortable walking away 20 minutes into something i don't care but as you guys know, when as I we know because you walked I out, did of, walk out of Syria, even though we were doing it for the podcast, <laughs> never forget. Oh, I'll never forget either. It was terrible. So. Um, I, I don't, I don't like what happened to me either. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, he was like, so you can see what my struggle was like. I also wanted to quit, but I couldn't. I'm like you, you could have, but he was like, well, by the third episode, it, it was really tough. And I'm like, what the hell is gonna happen in the third episode? And then I get there, and it's modern day, and I'm like, what? <laughs> For some reason, I thought it was going to be four episodes, and so, like, at, like halfway through the third episode, I, like, paused it and, like, was, like, looking at something, and then I realized it was only three, and I was like, oh, my God, like, this is such good news for me. <laughs> like, it's almost over. <laughs> because I was enjoying sort of, like, the first two episodes, and then at the end of like, and Mary said this, too, at the end of the second episode when it emerges and it's, like, modern day. It's like, oh, no. Like, this is not going to be good. You can already tell it's not going to be good. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't. <laughs> it was really bad. The third episode did almost redeem itself for me because I have not laughed so hard <laughs> as when Lucy gets put in the crematorium. <laughs> I haven't laughed that hard in a, such a long time. And her mother's like... I can, I feel like I can hear her screaming. (laughs) And I was just like, oh my God, this took such a turn. And like Dracula's going to come in and be all like, yeah, my sexy lady. And she's just going to be like rustling this like ash that's rustling. And he's going to have to put her in a jar and put googly eyes on it for a week and pretend she's still alive. I was like, this is going to be so good. And then it didn't do any of that. Bummer. So the theme here is that we kept thinking it would go one way, and then 
it didn't over it surprised us by getting stupid (laughs) (laughs) i feel like my way was better than what happened i liked your way all of these things you guys said great ideas maybe the title of the episode has definitely put some googly eyes on it (laughs) (laughs) better with googly eyes (laughs) i was gonna move us into another direction that's why i was like if you have more to say, yeah, go this, for it. Please move, go ahead. move us along. Um, move us. So what I was going to say is, so as we go into this modern or this contemporary episode for episode three, uh, something you said earlier, Grady, got me thinking about the ways that they needed to adapt this for a contemporary audience. Because I think one of the things that we see in the, 1897 version of Dracula, the the original Dracula, is that it's a lot of fish out of water stuff, but it's a lot of um, xenophobia, Mm -hmm. a lot of fear of foreigners. And I think this is me trying to like give them credit for like trying to do something good. I think maybe their way of um, putting a new and maybe like less problematic spin on that is making him a stranger in time versus this like stranger in the fact that he's like some from some like weird exotic country um am i giving him too am i giving them too much credit no yeah i mean i think you're right in the sense that like these days the idea that people would be scared of people from another country and think that they're like diseased or bringing violence or danger with them is so alien to people like that just doesn't happen anymore um i mean look at the states we're pretty totally open to everyone coming in from other countries <laughs> and not thinking they're monsters or gonna kill us yeah. in our sleep or you know rape nobody is calling the coronavirus the china virus nobody yeah. no, so, no one would so i feel like that. Yeah, Certainly so I feel not like getting rid of that part. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So I feel like getting rid of that part of the book no one could relate to was a really good choice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, your answer is yes, I am giving them too much credit. <laughs> I, I don't fine. think you're giving them too much credit, but it's kind of like, you know, my thing is like, why? I, I'm just always confused when people adapt something. And instead of sort of digging into it and finding the stuff that makes it work, and doubling down mm-hmm. on it, mm-hmm. they just sort of rearrange the toys in the sandbox and like quip and make puns and say, yeah, I don't yeah. drink wine. Like how many times <laughs> did someone say, I don't drink wine in this, in too these many. three episodes. Well, and when he tries yeah. to get poured wine, wine he's like, too many. <laughs> big, I don't drink That's not, that's a visual thing you can't yeah. see on the podcast, but. I do have a glass of blood. You I mean, wine here. So, I had to it. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, tr- really, uh, it's really frustrating because I mean, I'm kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, like xenophobia, still a huge issue. Maybe more relevant now than it has been. Sort of like in the immediate past. I mean, I think that they really mm-hmm. could have. Uh, like Grady said, like dug in, doubled down, really explored that. And I just wasn't buying it. Like it, tr- mm-hmm. what it felt like to me is, let me double check their name. Mark Gaddis and Stephen Moffat were like, how can we make this more Sherlock? Yeah. 
It definitely happened. But without yeah. making it Sherlock. And I I feel okay, like, saying that about them, because I feel like they've burned me enough in other franchises. <laughs> also, like, they, they're making a lot of money. It's okay. You're not hurting yeah, their feelings right now. Yeah, they're fine. I just, they're you know, it, it did feel like, how can we get back to Sherlock? And to me, I'm like, I don't know, make another crime procedural. You don't have to bring Dracula into it. Right. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I, I will say, and, like, we've said this before on this podcast, that, like, like having a faithful adaptation doesn't necessarily mean that something is good. And, like, having something that yeah. completely diverges yeah. from source material doesn't mean it's bad. But, like, if you are going to base something on something and you're going to make a ton of changes, like, make those changes purposeful. But it didn't feel like any of, like, I don't feel like this show was saying anything. Like, there was nothing yeah. new or interesting to be said. Or, like, if there is something new and interesting to be said with this material, they did not find it. Because... That's rough, Kelly. There's nothing. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I, I, You know, one of the things... So, it's interesting. So, this is just... If I can just sidebar for a sec. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, Do but it. I feel like, yeah, there's such value in, like, if you're going to take the trouble to adapt something then fig- like do anything you want to it. I mean, you want to do Macbeth where everyone, you know, you want to do naked space Othello, do naked space <laughs> Othello. But like, that's fine. But it's, there's stuff, you know, they did this thing where they're like, ooh, we're going to take these like gaps in the story, like the nunnery and really make a meal out of that. And we're going to like, you know, really drill down on the Demeter. But in the, but they didn't, that didn't yield anything mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. interesting. And, you know, there's this great story that just came out last year. You can read it for free, I think, on Nightmare Magazine by Gwendolyn K- Keist, K-I-S-T-E, called, um, and it's nominated, for I think, for a Stoker Award this year, but it's called um, To the Eight People Who Killed Me. And it's a point, it's from Lucy's diary, basically. Ooh. And it's like, here's everyone I blame for how I died. And yes, it's Dracula. But it's also my mom for making me have this life that just bored my tits off. And it's like <laughs> these shitty guys, like my fiance, like these idiots that I could marry, like these were my options. Like, of course, I went to the dangerous stranger. And it's like the crappy doctor y'all brought in from like Germany, who just kept giving <laughs> me blood transfusions and making me sicker and sicker. Yeah. And it's like, this really great thing where you're like, oh shit, yeah, like, no wonder, like, it's everyone else's fault. And it's a really cool way to look at this that I'd never seen before. And like, you know, this is some dumb writer, you know, who who <laughs> probably doesn't make nearly as much money as these dudes mm-hmm. who wrote this thing and like, found so much more to unpack in Dracula in 2,000, yeah. 3,000 words than these guys did in three episodes. It it bums me out. The the it, it just bums me out that they had all these resources and chose to mostly make puns with them. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I mean, I feel I mean, like I'm not is... trying to be a downer. I no, mean, I, no, no, no. I think we're all on the same page. <laughs> I, I just, I feel like this is the part of the episode where I say, Actually, if you want a good adaptation that's not at all like the book, you should see Annihilation. <laughs> oh yeah. my god. Yeah, I mean there are plenty yeah. of examples of Oh yeah. How did you do that? <laughs> you you worked it in there. Every I'm, episode. Always talking, I'm always talking about how much I love Annihilation, the book, the movie. That the are completely thing. different from each other, but are both saying very interesting things. 
and yes, like yeah. do it successfully. And Annihilation, you can watch on Hulu right now, and you should if you haven't seen it. It's- I genuinely thought for a second, Mary, you were trying to say like if you want another Dracula adaptation that is not like <laughs> check out Annihilation. <laughs> I was like, there's no way you're trying to make that a Dracula adaptation right now. <laughs> But maybe you are. I don't know. Um, <laughs> sure. I mean, I would read that essay if you want to. Yeah, I'll hear you out. Yeah, is a for sure. Adaptation. Yeah. I, I'll listen. I do have one more question. Yes. Before we get into our ratings, um, and this is my like vampire comprehensive exam question. Oh, so, Grady, maybe this is for you. Um. So. I want to talk a little bit about the history of the vampire because this is something that really fascinates me about vampires is when Dracula was written in 1897 versus when this series released on Netflix at the beginning of 2020, our perception of vampires has changed a lot. Um, And the way that they're portrayed in literature and movies has changed a lot from Dracula to interview with vampire to twilight to this Dracula, right? Like, and all the things in between. Um, Let's talk a little bit about why that is and how that affects the portrayal of Dracula in this movie versus the original. Um, Because I think, and this is something that I'm going to link to this interview, but this is something that Mark Gaddis said in that Comic-Con interview as well, is that he felt like in their adaptation, they were letting Dracula be the hero of his own story for the first time. And if we go back to the original Dracula, Dracula is not the hero. Um, I don't think he should be. I think that was that's one of the problems with this adaptation. Um, but vampires have become heroes in a lot of fiction and movies and stuff. Um, and that was not the case in Dracula. I'm talking a lot. Let someone else jump in. What do you guys think? Well, you know, the original vampires when Dracula came around were were either psychic vampires that just really tired you out. Like, I don't know if you guys read Florence Marriott's uh, Blood of the Vampire, which was a pre-Dracula vampire thing, but it's just about this woman who's like, dude, she just so exhausting. Like, everyone just gets exhausted and dies because she won't stop talking and she's all, she's sort of like a manic pixie dream girl, but like, and she's so fun and so good looking and everyone's just like, Jesus Christ, I'm dying here. Um, (laughs) But like, but, and then there was Carmilla, which was the, which was pre-Dracula. And that was like super sexy vampire, like, ooh, lady sexy vampires. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them, like, like, um, John Polidori's vampire and Varney the vampire and, um, Dracula and all that, like, they smelled bad. They had bad breath. They were cold. And so what they were doing was sexual, but it was really sublimated sexuality. Mm -hmm. Like, um... And then it was like the 70s when that started to change, when the vampires all became these like super romantic gothic loners, like the um, kind of a little bit with the Hammer movies in the 50s and 60s, more so with like the Frank Langella, Dracula on Broadway, and a lot of sort of the, you know, um, oh God, what were the, just his looks started to get much younger and sassier in the 70s. And then you had Anne Rice, who made them total brooding, loner, sexy dudes, Mm -hmm. where the sex was really on the surface. And now you've got modern day, sexy, urban fantasy sparkle vampires who are like all about the sexing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and and there's been little side shoots of that, right? Like 
You had John Shirley write this book in 79, Dracula in Love, where Dracula has a three foot long uh, prehensile penis that has yellow glowing eyes. Um, so just like- gonna, Just gonna jot that one down. <laughs> yeah, so- <laughs> What was that again? Required reading. And and there's like, yeah, and there's like a couple of weird vampire books. That's one. And there's at least one other. And I think there's a third where like Dracula has to be absorbed into a woman's like vagina to ultimately defeat him. Like, which is like, I never knew there was that way of killing a vampire. But they leave that out of all the books. <laughs> yeah. um, except these three. Um, and so like there's been sexual stuff with Dracula, but making him this sort of like hero is new. I mean, it's since the, since the 80s, I would say. Because, um, like, Interview with the Vampire, 70s, but, like, Lewis is so whiny. But, like, Lestat's the superhero vampire, like, the sexy mm-hmm. one. And that's more 80s. Um, I also don't see how this Dracula was the hero of his story. He was kind of a dickwad up until, like, the very end yeah. where he's like, oh, my God, I'm he embarrassed was, like, to be a so vampire. smarmy and awful. Yeah. Mm. So Danish. Yeah. Like, you feel like he's constantly, like... Why don't you ride a reclining bicycle to work and save the ocean? I'm going to sail my ship across the Atlantic and confront you with your carbon footprint. You don't recycle. You don't compost. Like, he just had this real superior tone to everything, like a Danish person. And then, yeah, and then when he was, like, meeting Lucy, he was like, you're not like the other girls. And I was like, oh, I'm like, she's exactly like the other girls. Literally. And also, you're like the other girls too, Dracula. <laughs> yeah, please, yes. Dracula. Um, uh, I'm excited to read my the review I found about him yeah. specifically. Oh yeah, we're, we're going to. He was yeah. kind of handsome. I kind of liked him. I mean, but he was handsome, but the teeth, my god! Like every time oh, yeah. he would like go like this and have his mouth open, and it wasn't even the it vampire was teeth. It, it was, was like yeah. A lot of teeth. It seemed like he had a lot of extra teeth. <laughs> Just too many teeth. I know I'm being He's very critical of, of, like, all the appearances of the men on this show, but, like, there's, like, a long history of, of men talking about the appearances of women on things. So, you know what? I feel like I'm justified. Um, Kelly gives this show zero out of five stars because there are no hotties in it. No, so. literally not. No, actually, there was a hottie, the captain of the ship. Super hottie. Mm-hmm. Um, such a hottie. <laughs> uh... I will say, again, with to shout out Buffy, um, talking about, like, the the modern vampire and whether a vampire is a hero or not. Something that I really appreciate about that show is that they're, like, the, on Buffy, the vampires are, like, the, vampires don't have souls. Like, after a, a person dies and becomes a vampire, they have no soul. They are evil. Like, they're just evil. And... So the thing about Angel, who is, like, Buffy's love interest and gets his own show later and everything, and, of course, I'm talking to anyone who's watched Buffy knows all this, sorry, but, like, uh, Angel has been cursed, and he is, like, the only vampire ever to have a soul. So he has a soul, and he's, like, living as a vampire, and he so he doesn't, like, feed on humans because... He has a soul, He's and he too feels good for that. he feels guilt. Like he fe- he has a conscience, and all the other vampires don't have a conscience. So, like to them, it's like they're villains. But then Spike is a character who gets introduced in the first season as a villain, and then later on he starts to like shift because he like becomes close to some of the humans, and like it's a really interesting exploration of like Kelly. what. 
I feel like you're like Charlie Day in front of the murder board. Like, and if you see here, I'm right. Spike, Why are you arc. booing me? I'm right. Um, <laughs> no, I, you are right. It's just funny. It's no. just funny. I'm, uh, but like he, so I feel like that show does a, a good job of exploring the idea of like, is a vampire like bad? Like, automatically or like is there the potential for there to be some good in this where like I feel like a show like this is just like he's evil but like we're supposed to at some point feel sympathy for him but like why and like how and there's no there doesn't seem to be like any rules of like how this works there's no are we capable of sympathy after all those wine puns (laughs) no absolutely not um, like, how does a per like if he bites someone, do they be like automatically become a vampire? Like, I feel Unclear. like clear, yeah. And that's something that bothers me is because like there are so many different rules, and they go into like what a vampire can and can't do, or you know, can he see himself in the mirror? But they don't go into the process of like how did he become this way, like actually, and like how does he turn other people this way? And like, there's no explanation of that and i really hate it when like world building isn't like complete uh it frustrates me because i want to understand like what's going on and i can't because there's no set of rules there was kind of this assumption like well it's dracula you know dracula and it's like but but you have reinvented this character yeah you changed so many things that you have to like you gotta explain it and also like i don't know dracula i didn't fucking read the book like (laughs) you have to explain it to me you know uh so i don't know i i just think that like there are ways to explore like good and evil with vampires that are still interesting despite how many times it's been done but this like didn't do that this wasn't one of them. No. At all. I'm shocked nobody has mentioned True Blood. Well, True Blood is What's another good example on? of a show that, like, does a good job of showing that, like, a vampire can have a range of, like, good to evil, not necessarily black or white, you know? So. Yeah. So I feel like at this point, ratings seem obvious. We know. We know how we feel. We, did, we didn't like this. I didn't like this at all. I felt middling to bad. Yeah. I I think there were moments of hope <laughs> and moments of despair for me. Yeah. Yes. My hope was dashed quickly, though. So When Justin peaced out. I mean, <laughs> that was a bad sign. But, um, yeah, I would say I also felt... I mean, I really, at the... By the last episode, I was, like, pretty checked out. Like, I didn't care to finish it. I would have I would have walked away. And also, just on a technical level, like, it was ugly. It was, like, <laughs> tacky and ugly. And, like, that works if you're trying to do a campy thing, but the, I, they didn't push far enough into it for it to seem intentional, and it just seemed badly done. That is what I asked Justin after the first episode. Because I was like, I'm getting this kind of, like, campy, like, B-movie type vibe and like some of the practical effects are like really like gross but cool and I was like but I can't tell if it's on purpose (laughs) or if it's like yeah I don't think I don't know I don't think it was (laughs) and then I got further in and I was like oh it's just not that good I guess it's just sad 
Yeah. That's okay. There is something really optimistic about it, though, which is, I think, which is that everyone's having this really visceral reaction to this show. Like, the show did mm-hmm. terribly. Uh, it was really <laughs> disappointing to the people who made it. Um, it was disappointing to the BBC. It was disappointing to all <laughs> five of us. Um, <laughs> the ones who matter. But I think there's something really... I think that there's something really nice about it because not to use a pun, but in the spirit of the show, this really drove a stake into a kind of storytelling that sort of busted at this point Um, for a really long, long fucking time. TV has been about edgelord bullshit about toxic dudes that we're supposed to be excited to watch like Don Draper on Mad Men or, you know, um, uh, Tony Soprano on The Sopranos or Walter White on Breaking Bad. And it's like, these guys, man, you know, what are they going to do next? They could do anything. Oh my God, they're so creepy and bad. <laughs> um, and that's really ruled the day. And that's what this was to some extent, right? This whole anti-hero, he's a bad guy, but he's really the hero of his own story. Like, no, he's not. He's just an ass. Um like maybe Jeffrey Dahmer's the hero of his own story, but he's not the hero of literally anyone else's yeah. story, including the people he <laughs> killed and ate. So it's irrelevant whether he's the hero of his own story or not. Like no one cares. Um, and I felt like with this, it's like that same busted old TV mode of storytelling that really seemed like the next hot thing. And it's dead. None of us care. No one cares about it. Just a few years later, no one could give two shits. And it actually seems out of touch and out of date and boring. And so that's kind of optimistic. Yeah, maybe maybe this is the turning point. That is... um, Turn that frown up. (laughs) (laughs) The little snippet of a review I wanted to read um, is not about that. But in another place in that review, it talks about like that the problem with, I guess the creators of this um, is like what the deal was with Sherlock, which was it's obsessed with watching the smartest man in the room, like the antihero smartest man Mm. in the room. And this is so concerned with Dracula that it's like missing all the other stuff that it could have talked about. Because we're just like watching this dude, like chew the scenery (laughs) the whole time. (laughs) I mean, Grady said it earlier, but it truly cannot be overemphasized how cool Mina is in the book. And, like, yeah. she has so much to do, and she's super smart. Yeah, and all they gave her here was a terrible wig. nothing. That is the worst wig I've ever seen. Yeah, it's really not good. Yeah. Susan, you want to read that review? Yeah, this is a snippet from the same review I just referenced. Um, it is by Joshua Rivera at The Verge. What up? Uh, very little about this is thrilling. The show is too enamored with Dracula to be played for straight horror, despite having some legitimately incredible practical effects that give us a few truly frightening scenes. As the Count, Danish, Danish actor Clay's Bang gives a performance that I struggle to describe as anything other than loud. Everything about this portrayal of Dracula is dialed to 11, with Bang bouncing back and forth between smug slinger of blood puns to rabid scenery-chewing animal. Every other actor in Dracula is performing for a different show entirely, but instead of being amusing, it's exhausting. Yeah. Woof. That's so true, because, like, I never found him, like, he was not funny, ever. Like, the only person who was funny. funny. Yeah, the only person who was funny was Van Helsing. Like, she had some genuinely funny moments. Who is a comedic actress in other things, too. Like, yeah. It makes sense. She just, like, wasn't... (laughs) I was just annoyed. I felt like I was watching, like, a dude that I, like, that I know and hate, like, doing stand-up 
or something. Well, and also, also I'm going to, like, Mary's right. Mina's great. Like, Mina is one of the best characters in 19th century fiction. Like, everything that happens to her should make her more vulnerable and more at risk. Dracula starts to control her mind. Dracula wants to bite her. She gets obsessed with Dracula. And it just makes her stronger. She turns every one of those weaknesses into a strength and ultimately, spoiler alert, kills his ass. (laughs) Like, she is an absolutely fabulous character. They're like, well, Mina can take the notes. And, like, Mina's like, I'm going to take the notes with, like, a computer, basically, and, like, a dictaphone and, like, shorthand and crazy shit you've never seen before. Um, And, like, and here Sister Agatha does nothing i mean she is funny she's my favorite when she was on screen it was my favorite stuff but like ultimately all she does is help dracula come to a realization about himself because yeah. if she wanted to kill him she could have just put him in a sunbeam she, she's able to <laughs> yeah. do that at, at num- any number of points but yeah. instead she wants to make him like emotionally healed yeah she just so like tells himself. him about himself She's, like, yeah. reading him the entire she time. She therapizes him to death. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, we didn't like it. <laughs> but, I mean, if you want to watch it, it's on Netflix right now. So, I mean, go for it. And since you're not recording a podcast about it, you could stop at any time. Yeah. 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 Or you could just go <laughs> and watch the movie from the 90s and listen to Keanu Reeves and his really bad accent. And really Wynonna bad accent. writer really and her bad. really bad accent. Uh, oh my god! Yeah. Another bad Winona accent. First of all, we've already talked about one of hers recently. Her like it's colonial American accent. accent. <laughs> it's her um, old timey. Yeah, it's the accent. same accent she uses in Little Women, even though she's American multi-purpose. In that, so. Okay, I have to she's say, she's like, though, oh, Jonathan. <laughs> the okay when we first see Dracula in this, and he is decrepit looking and speaking in. I, I know it's supposed to be. <laughs> like Romanian sounding, but it sounds like someone making fun of an Italian person. And I was like, <laughs> oh, is no. he gonna talk like this for three episodes? Cause it is so <laughs> distracting. And then luckily they were like, oh no, like once I suck blood, I can like speak whatever you speak. So now I sound fine and British. <laughs> but I was like, he sounded like he was going to be like, let's make the meatballs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> My spaghetti. What if? <laughs> okay. Any last comments on Dracula before we move on and never talk about it again? No. no. Bye. Get us out of here. Get us out. Let's move on because we have a special guest who wrote a book that's coming out. Probably, hold on. (laughs) It will be out by the time this episode comes out. Yay! But at the time of recording, it's about to to come come out. out. So, um, Grady. Hi. You've written a book. It's called The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. And I really hope no one's as mean to my book as we just were to that. Show. Now I'm having regrets <laughs> no. about all no. my past behavior. Well, I was about to say, you know, you've written a book that's about to come out or is out at the time of publishing this, but also you have written many other books that we have praised and loved. Yeah. Yes. So all I can do now is let you down and disappoint you. No. <laughs> I'm either going to maintain or disappoint. 
Well, some of us have read it already. And I, I would say um, you have maintained. Yes. Okay, thank God. I loved it. Still, I honestly, still like, I finished oh, watching Dracula and I was like, thank God I can now go and finish reading this book that I like so much more than <laughs> watching this show. Uh I appreciate that. <laughs> I actually am terrified about this book coming out. So when people like it, it's very soothing. It's great. So can you tell us a little bit about the book and why you're terrified of it coming out? <laughs> well, I've, I've wanted to write this book for a really long time. And, and I sort of um, have tr- I tried to write it before. Um, it's, it's, so if, if people don't know, it's about a, a book club in, in Charleston, South Carolina in the early nineties made up entirely of, of mostly housewives. Um, and, uh, they, they believe that a vampire has moved into the neighborhood and they're sort of the only people who believe this and must take steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to write it a couple of years ago before I wrote, we sold our souls. And, um, my publisher was like, yeah, well, you know, who wants to read a book about a bunch of middle-aged housewives? And I was like, cool, exactly the reason I want to write the book. Yeah, it's well, I was just like, you know, the whole book's about how these are women who really get dismissed. And, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. all the women I kind of grew up, my mom's friends. Um, you know, I, I thought they were a bunch of lightweight jerks and um, didn't have much to do. And as I got to know them as adults, I realized that, you know, I was the asshole in that equation, not them. Um, and so I was like, well, that's exactly how I want to write the book is that's the point. Um, but so when I got a chance to write it, it was kind of a Hail Mary. Like my publisher still wasn't super enthused about it. And like um, my agent was really, really so upset by the first draft that he was like, I think we need to do some serious rethinking. Um, and like, no one liked it. And obviously it's a book that's to some extent, that's the, Patricia is not my mother, but to some extent it's set in the neighborhood I grew up in. It's around the time I grew up. Um, a lot of these characters are based on pe- bits and pieces of people I know. And so, and I really wanted to get it right. And it's, you know, deals with some racial stuff, which I think mm-hmm. is, is, could be really troubling if I get it wrong. And, you know, it's, got some stuff in it that I haven't written before that I don't want to talk about because I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't read it. But, you know, um, so yeah, I've, I've been like really um, shitting my pants about this book. <laughs> um, so the fact that people actually enjoy it is really, really tremendously relieving. I still don't believe it. I still think everyone's just kind of being nice because <laughs> yeah. it's hard to look someone in the eye and say like, you know, well, actually I thought it was a pun filled shit burger, but um, that's why I like to do so many podcasts and interviews. Cause it's harder for people to tell me how crappy one of my books is. To my um, but uh, yeah, so I've been, I've been really nervous and, and worried. Uh, so there you go. That's my long blathering answer. Well, we've talked about your books behind your back as well. Um, if that makes and you feel like yeah, we've positively yeah. talked. About so that. you say? Yeah, we so don't give out a lot of five stars, and we I think did we all give a five star review to my best to friend's my best exorcism? Friend's exorcism? Yeah. I think we oh, might thanks. have, yeah. Yeah, I think we did too. See, now it sounds I like mean, I'm just fishing for compliments. <laughs> no, I offered that one right up. <laughs> no one likes me. Listen, I've, okay, okay, well, I've said really this on it. the show multiple times, but that book is the only book ever in my life to give me a panic attack. Uh, <laughs> and congratulations, because 
I was yeah. riding the subway and I was reading the part where, and like not to spoil too much, but there is um, a scene involving a tapeworm. Um, <laughs> and that really. I'm sure people yell at you about that scene a lot. I feel like yeah. a lot of people are just. That really just hit all of the things that, that are my personal horror buttons. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like sitting on the subway reading this and like, I just, like, looked up from reading it, and I, like, realized that I could feel my heartbeat in my ears. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And I was – I, like, looked up, and I was like, I'm going to throw up right now. I'm going to throw up. And so I, like, closed the book, and I was just, like, waiting for – like, desperately waiting for us to get to the next station. And, of course, the subway is, like, crawling along. And we get to the next station, and I, like, ran off the subway, like, ran up – to, like, the top and, like, got out of the station and then, like, sat on, It wasn't your stop, was it? No, it was, like, a random stop. (laughs) And I, like, sat on a bench that was, like, luckily nearby and it was, like, kind of cool outside, so I was just, like, breathing. Like, I'm really surprised I didn't throw up because, like, I I was very close. And that's usually, like, my panic attack sign is I'm, like, super nauseous and then I just, like, puke. (laughs) But I, like, didn't. So that was good. But it was almost, like, a full-blown panic attack. And then I, like, took a cab home and then I like read some more. <laughs> that is a high that's, compliment. No, that's you the best that, compliment you I've ever that gotten. The next <laughs> totally. I want that as a blurb. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the only I wanted to tell you that for so long. So I'm glad that I got to. <laughs> no, it's like the best thing ever. Like ultimately like I feel like I'm everyone's like, I feel like I'm a really bad boyfriend. Like when people are like, your book made me cry or your book made me want to throw up or like I wasted money on a cab because of your book. I'm like, thank you. I really yeah. appreciate it. If it made you feel bad, I'm really happy. It's, it's and a there's some very book, disturbing so. imagery in this book as well. Yes. I yeah. know Kelly texted me about some of it earlier yeah i was like hey this thing just happened and i was like oh yeah that's i I have a question (laughs) yeah we're talking about all this different vampire lore and as i have been reading the southern book club's guide i've been wondering how you decided what vampire lore you wanted to use and what you wanted to disregard and like how you crafted your version of vampirism for your book. Cause it is kind of like its own thing, I think. Yeah. Like not well, exactly know, like other vampires. Yeah. I mean, you have to decide, right? The big question is, is your vampire going to be supernatural or not? Mm-hmm. And if it's supernatural, cool. If not though, there's no shape changing. That just doesn't right. work. Um, there's no being scared of crosses or, or, anything or religious artifacts um there's no reflection in the mirrors not being seen there's no you know what i mean there's all this stuff you lose with the supernatural i kept having to be invited in just because i've always thought that was such a nice part of vampires and it's more habitual than necessary really like i just think it's so cool that you have to invite them in and then they fuck your life up and you're like i only got myself to blame because you kind of think that's why the vampire does it it's like at the end they're like well you did invite me in like yeah yeah, like it's sort of that like why are you hitting yourself thing you know that your like older siblings (laughs) used to do it's like well i mean technically i am hitting myself but that's not you're missing the point um like, I did invite you in, but I invited you in for, like, coffee, not to, like, slaughter my entire family and turn me into an undead zombie. Exactly. Um, but, so, yeah, and so then it was just a matter of, like, um, the big thing with my vampire is, like, 
I've, I've found out because there's people who study this stuff, there's really not enough calories in blood to keep anyone alive, like on a long term basis. Like you just, I think the human body has like the blood in a human body is like 7,000 calories. Like that's just, a, that's just the day you don't go to the gym and you eat all the leftover yeah. pizza. Like that's, that's nothing. Um, and so I was like, oh, so, but what if vampires don't have bone marrow and they don't like, you know, f- have kidneys that work and they don't filter right. out all the impurities in their blood and make white blood cells. So they have to latch onto someone else's circulatory system to sort of pump mm-hmm. their blood through them. So I was like, oh, that makes some kind of weird, not medicine yeah. science sense. Um, and so, yeah, so that's where it wound up. But yeah, it's just, it was just trying to come up with a vampire that I could believe in that didn't really... S- that didn't have a moment where I was like, that's bullshitty. <laughs> I think that's what makes it interesting, though, because it is something different. You know, it's not just like, here's Dracula being super smarmy and campy. Yeah. You know, well, it's, like, it's a new yeah. type of thing. But wasn't that something Emily said earlier? It's like, you know, in the Dracula show, it's like, Dracula, how do he become that way? Well, he's Dracula. It's just like this idea right. that like, like, everyone is away for a reason. So if you're going to have a character, you've got to have their backstory and know how they got there Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And so it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, you have to figure that stuff out or else if you just reduce it to, well, he just does Dracula. Like, it's like, that's not very satisfying to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, so something that really like, other than the setting being the same as my best friend's exorcism, something that really ties these two books together is like this, concept of like how like believing women basically and how women Mm. are constantly questioned and and when you know they say something happened to them there's like a whole host of people that they have to go through to get anyone to take them seriously um and i was wondering like what about that interests you in your writing and especially like how it ties to this specific location and kind of period in time yeah, well, you know, well, th- the way it ties to the location and time is like, I don't have a great imagination. So I keep <laughs> writing about like, my, the time I grew up and where, like, I just can't stop it. Um, so that's sort of, although the 90s were weird for women, for a lot of re- like, you know, it's like you look at the early 90s, and it's like, almost every big female singer songwriter released an album, her first album or her big album, like somewhere between 89 and like 90, early nineties. Um, you had the March on Washington, which is like half a million people watching for marching for reproductive rights. It was like on TV. It was a big deal. Um, post the Anita Hill hearings, you had like more women uh, entering Congress than at any time in history. And then you jump to the end of the nineties and you have abortion clinics and doctors being bombed and shot. You have sort of porn has gone mainstream and there's actually like franchise strip clubs all over the country. And like the music has gotten super, super new metal and like industrial and it's all very boy rock. Um, and it's like something really happened in the nineties. Like I, I still don't know what, but like something just happened in there, you know, things got very conservative and weird. Um, but in terms of like, I would, I'm not arguing with you at all. I just see it a little bit differently. It doesn't mean how you're seeing it's wrong or anything, but Mm -hmm. to me, it's not so much believing women, but it's like, we have a tendency to not believe people who don't have any power. 
Um, yeah. And that happens to be women more often than not, because historically they just don't. Um, and even now when women have, you know, most full legal protections, they're still playing a game of catch up culturally, um, you know, for the thousands of years they had no legal protections. So it's like, so to me with Best Friends Exorcism, even though Abby and Gretchen are both women who aren't believed, to me it was much more about being a teenager who's not yeah. because no one believes a kid. Kids, you know, although there is more of a tendency if you're going to have to believe, choose to believe a 16-year-old boy or a 16-year-old girl, I think most people err towards the boy and mm-hmm. that just sucks. Um, but with these women, you know, they really are nobodies. Like, they're housewives. Like, they're, 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 they're nothing. Um, in, in sort of the eyes of, of the men around them. Um, you know, I, I remember when my mom got divorced, she was, she got divorced in the late eighties. Um, and she was a, she was 52, 51 and she had no credit rating cause she'd never had a bank account. She'd never had a credit card in her name. She'd never written a check with her own name on it. Um, like she hadn't gone to college because in her family, why would you send a girl to college? Um, it's, you know, it was just like this enormous, like, you know, it's funny. Um, when my grandparents, so her parents called when her mother called her own mother to say that she had a baby and it was my mom. Um, or I think it might've been my mom's little sister. I can't remember which one, but, um, the, the the grandmother said, uh, you woke me up at one in the morning to tell me you had a girl. You may as well throw that right in the garbage can for all the good it'll do you. Like, like oh. that's amazing. Oh my God. Um, and like, you know, this is a woman I knew. And like, so like women just, these women just have zero power. And so, and why would anyone believe them? What possible Thing of any importance do they have to say they're going to say something about their kids about the family about the house about blah 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 like you know like like if you're a doctor and like i grew up in a town where a lot of people were either a lot of dads were either doctors or lawyers um if you're a doctor you don't want to hear that shit you're dealing with life and death you're a big stud like you <laughs> people like call this you this is doctor. why i hate doctors <laughs> yeah like like so like, yeah, know. you don't you don't want to hear that your kid like is dyslexic or like you know the dog like got hit by a car that's that's bullshit dude someone else deal and this with that. is where pet cemetery came from <laughs> yeah um anyways so yeah so yeah i mean and so i just find that fascinating you know i just find it really i don't know i find those stories way more interesting to to listen to and talk about sorry that was really long-winded no i was no like, no that's great. great yeah thank you um I, I left a lot of space in this episode for you to talk. I was like, hopefully, great, you can just talk about stuff and we can just let talk about <laughs> um, But I do have a very hard-hitting journalistic question to ask Ooh, yeah. you, and we can cut this out if it's too spoilery. Kelly knows what I'm going <laughs> to I'm I'm asking this on behalf of all the animal lovers out there. Mm. Why do you have to keep hurting the dog? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um well, but also though, um, ragtag's okay. Well, I not know. really like, though. <laughs> no, but he totally ragtag totally lives and is totally fine and is is good. I'm a really inefficient writer, so there's a lot of versions of this book before I got the one you read, and there's lots of stuff with Rag. That dog is doing great. Lives forever. Oh no. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
But um, I will say, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I get more hate emails about Good Dog Max and my best friend's exorcism. Yeah. And it's rough. And I'm always like, I'm always like, you know, you know, the thing with Good Dog, no one ever asks about the tapeworm. Like, Terry the tapeworm, like, goes down hard. (laughs) And, like, no one cares. So some real specious out there. Um, But there's two reasons. Okay, there's two reasons I'm tough on animals. So one is um, there's very specific reasons. Like, good dog, Max, uh, Gretchen has to do something irreversible and unforgivable that Abby knows wasn't her and forgives her for. It just has to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was too yeah. freaking edgy to kill a person. It, <laughs> it had to be. So, it, and also no one cares if you kill a person in a book, but like kill yeah. a dog. dog. And, yeah. So that's one reason. With um, Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, I really wanted, um, I wanted Ragtag to have like a hero moment and like go down like a champ <laughs> and like, and, and, and just pay tribute to, to rag the real Ragtag who was an actual dog. Aww. Um, Aww. And, uh, and so that was why. And then of course, still alive. Um, <laughs> the second reason though, because I've asked myself this question, right? Like what the hell is my problem? And I think what it is is so I had a dog that I loved very, very much that we got um, as a puppy when I was like my first, I was born on December 14th. So it was like my first Christmas. So I was like, that's the day after my husband's birthday. Yeah. Uh, He and I timed that well. Um, But, and, um, and, and my, my dog died when I was about 16 and it was pretty traumatic. I had to kill her. Um, And so I feel like that's kind of always like, I don't know. I just keep circling around that. And um, yeah, it's weird. Trauma. Can't, can't get over it. So I decided to inflict it on every single other person. (laughs) I think that's, that's common for a lot of writers to like write through the same trauma over and over again in different ways. Yeah. Well, it's weird. Yeah. It's a little boring. I'm sorry. No, that was a good explanation. Yeah. I just, I felt that there was something more there that we had to explore. And so that's why I had to ask my hard hitting it was hard hitting. Right. But you know, like in my mind, in my like imagining of how this went, there was a version where you killed Ragtag and your editor was like, no, you can't kill the dog. Either. Never, like ever. Never, ever. Never, ever. Uh, Ragtag always lived. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Ooh, anybody who is thinking about reading this and is worried about the dog dying, you don't have to worry about that. You can read this knowing the dog will be fine. <laughs> Although in real life, Ragtag. Ragtag's not the dog I'm talking about either. Ragtag is the dog my family had before me that um, they were going to, my family was going to the beach one day and my dad was like, where's the dog? As they backed down the driveway and then got the double (gasps) thumps. Yeah. And I think it wasn't, (laughs) although it wasn't Ragtag, it was Danny the dog that got hit by the mailman i think and killed and my sister catherine was like a good dinner and she was this was before i was born but she was like crying she's like dad i just want to see danny one more time and my dad was like yeah and he dug up danny for my sister to see and um and then he did it again the next night because she he did it like three or four nights in a row um and then finally he like drew the line 
Oh, my God. I would think after one time, like, your sister would realize that that actually wasn't comforting and would not ask for it again. Oh, my God. I think she found it really comforting. I'm freaking out. <laughs> Susan here's here's an important question. Do you have a dog now? No. Okay. Um, I will say, though, Maybe I have, for I have three dogs. One of them is sleeping on the floor right next to me. While you were talking about Max, she started barking in her sleep. <laughs> As if reaching oh out to God, him. I've given your dog nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she, she can't knows. hear you because this is in my earbuds. But yeah. I just feel like she knew something she was happening. Yeah. She and Matt like, felt it. <laughs> Give me more hard-hitting journalism. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> is that the first time you've been asked that question? Um, yeah, actually. Oh, wow. You heard it here first. Worry, I'll just start that. crying. This was a book gonna squad headline. It's going to be like, Grady Hendrix finally opens up about <laughs> his dog torturing in his novels. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so you can you can get uh, his latest book and know the dog will live. That's the Southern Book Club's guide. Wait, I really want I really want another hard hitting journalistic question. Someone come at me with the night. Oh, no, I have another. Oh, I come have at me one. with journalism. Okay, what's oh, yeah. with the okay. kid and the Nazis? What's with that? Oh, oh God. Right. So I was obsessed <laughs> with Nazis as a kid. Um it's uh it's not unique. So my dad I was wondering if that, that was, was like a you thing, like based on oh, yourself. Yeah. Well, we we all have known like a Nazi obsessed kid, right? Yeah, I personally My haven't, thing, but go on. <laughs> you haven't? No, it might have been you. Well, now you know one. Now I do. Um, no, so my dad really believes to this day that there's only one kind of book, and it's a hardcover nonfiction about World War II, and like <laughs> that's, that's all he dad reads. Thing. And he's a big reader, so our house is just full of World War II books growing up. So I sort of thought that's what books were, um, and so like. <laughs> You know, and obviously the Nazi stuff's the coolest when you're a kid because they get the best uniforms and they're like, they're they're doing really well at the beginning of the war and everyone's like, whoa, the Nazis. And you're like, God, they've got like a supervillain logo. Um, and so I was obsessed with Nazis as a kid. Um, and not just Nazis, all of World War II, but specifically Nazis. <laughs> and um, obviously you grow out of it once you develop things like empathy. And, yeah. you know, um, but... I was reading this book by this uh, horror novelist who sort of got forgotten, but Valancourt's bringing them back into print called Ken Greenhall. And he wrote this book called Hellhound um, in 77 or 8. And in the book, there's a 13-year-old kid who's obsessed with Nazis. And um, his mom is like talking to her husband and she's like, you know, we have a, th- we have a third or an 11-year-old. We have an 11-year-old son who thinks he's a Nazi. And her husband's like, honey, every 11-year-old boy wants to be a Nazi. And I was like, I felt like I was home. I was like, oh my God, this is other people. Oh my God. That's so funny. Also, I think when you're a kid, I think what you gravitate towards strength. You know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. like, like you, you, these outward shows of strength seem really cool to you. Like, like action heroes and Nazis and serial killers and monsters. Like, no one, like, they're strong and, like, people are scared of them. And that's what you want to be when you're an 11-year-old boy because that's what you've been taught dudes should be, right? Like, strong and big and people should be in all of them. Hey, have you read yeah. Apt People? Yeah. Just thought of... That's another yeah. one. <laughs> 
Yeah. I was just going to ask, did you talk about Hellhound in Paperbacks from Hell? Yes, absolutely. It sounds really familiar. I'm like, I think. Yeah, I, I tend to circle around the same crap over and over again. Dead dogs, I... Nazis, Ken Greenhall. <laughs> I mean, I was just, I was, I was going to say at some point while we had you here in captive, I love Paperbacks from Hell and like that sort of uh, nonfiction like a look at horror that I don't think horror often gets like that special attention. Oh, thanks. And I just really enjoyed it. That's not a question. That's just a compliment. That wasn't hard hitting journalism, Mary. It was hard hitting. No, but I gotta <laughs> say one thing that was really nice with that book was being able to bring a lot of these authors back into circulation. Like Valancourt did the hard work for a lot of this. They've got a paperback mm-hmm. from imprint and they're reprinting a lot of them, but you know, I've watched some of the artists in the book, the value of their paintings go up, um, of their cover art. Um, I, and some of these authors, like, coming back into print, you know, um, Joan Sampson, who wrote The Auctioneer, I mean, she died shortly after writing it. Uh, King Greenhall died many years ago, but I know Agnes, his, his widow, and uh, Joan's widow, or, you know, they're really, they feel like their spouse was never appreciated in their lifetime. And now their books are back in print and people are talking about them. And that's not just me. I mean, that's valid. That's a lot of people. And that's, that speaks to the quality of their work. And, um, and that, but that's the thing that was in the most gratifying is like, just, I don't know, man, like making people who are really good writers kind of get a second shot. Yeah. Cause one I... day someone's going to do it for me. <laughs> I also just like it's such a beautiful book. They did not only all Doogie. the information, but like all that that cover art you mentioned yeah. is just really awesome to see. I love my favorite thing is the cover for uh, I can't remember the name now, but it's like crabs. Oh, any <laughs> number like, Night of the Crabs, Crabs Night Human of the Sacrifice. Crabs. Yeah. It's so good. Well, it's so good. Yeah. I don't have that author that artist's name right on the tip of my tongue. Um but that art is so good. And especially um, Crab's Human Sacrifice, where it's a crab yes. about to stab someone with a knife. And you're like, Crab, why are you wielding the tool of your oppressor? You <laughs> don't just, need a knife. You've like, got claws. <laughs> it's one of those types of books that you read the description and think, this can't be a real book. Yeah, I still but think it that. is. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah, and Doogie Horner, who did the graphic design, did all the layout for that. And really killed it. He didn't have a lot of time to work. And he did an amazing job. That embossed cover is beautiful. Cool. Any any other questions for Grady? No, we're we're questioned now. <laughs> Whoa, that hard hitting journalism took it out of you. Yeah, Oof. yeah. I I only Tell have enough room in my heart for one question about the Nazi child. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, great book. You guys should check it out. Yes. Um, also check out his other books that we've talked about if you haven't yet. Which it'd be weird if you haven't. At this point, if you're listening to this podcast, because I think we've talked about we've had two whole episodes. We did an episode on horror story, and we did an episode on my best friend's exorcism. Oh, and I wrote a blog post about paperback horror story was one of our earliest episodes, actually. Yeah. Oh Oh, man. Yeah. Thanks. Um, And can I do a quick uh, coronavirus shout? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Here's all my peeps and viral peeps. Um, no, but, you know, so my my whole book tour was going to be a big chunk of it. It was going to be in, like, three parts. And the first two parts are gone. Uh, one was starting next week. I was actually supposed to be down in Charleston starting Thursday of this week. All canceled. And it was all, you know, indie bookstores and stuff. 
And um, and that's fine. You know, Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires comes out, I think, on April 7th, which you guys will already be long in the past by the time this airs. But, you know, it's really freaking scary to be anyone right now. But especially if you've got a book coming out. Like, I've been talking to a lot of other authors, and it's like, you know, class of spring 2020. Like, everyone's going to forget about us. Um and there's people like Stephen Graham Jones is his new book, The Only Good Indians, is coming out in July. Paul Tremblay's Survivor Song, which is coming out in July, was getting is getting a lot of attention, but it's also it's a book about an, uh, uh, um, a viral infection and lots of N95 masks and people with like aerosolized saliva. Aerosolized saliva. So he's really shitting bricks. We all are. Um, so if <laughs> we're reading wanted, that book for the podcast, actually. So it's oh Get god, ready. have y'all started it yet? Not yet. I totally want to hear that episode. I just read the arc of it a couple <laughs> of weeks ago, um, and so it's just interesting to hear people's reactions to it right now. But the the thing is independent bookstores and writers who have stuff coming out are really getting slammed right now. I mean, a lot of people are, right? I mean, everyone is. In the grand scheme of things, who cares? But I assume you're listening to this podcast and people care. So there's honestly one thing you can do, both for the authors and the independent bookstore, which is find your local use, your local indie bookstore. I mean, you can do Amazon or something, but why not spread yeah. the love a little and like pre-order their book. If you've got a book coming up that's exciting and you're going to you want to see it and you're excited about it, pre-order it. Pre-ordering is huge for authors. It's it's what is most likely to propel you onto the New York Times bestseller list or get you up there. And even if you don't get into that list, there's other lists you appear on with those first week sales that are really important. Um and it sends a message to bookstores and book buyers that there's an audience out there waiting for your book. They will order more. It's one of those virtuous cycle things that feeds on itself. And for indie bookstores right now, honestly, like, yes, you will pay twenty two ninety five for my book if you do it through like your local indie bookstore instead of, you know, $16 on Amazon. But for God's sake, man, these people, a lot of them are not going to reopen and they could use that extra yeah. five or six bucks. Think of it as your donation to the cause. Um, I'm not saying don't pre-order on Amazon. If that's your option, that's fine too. As We're far saying as I'm don't pre-order on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can say that here if you want. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, like Amazon. Um, but is I'm Amazon, just saying, I'm just saying, so I'm, many great independent stores. Yeah, and like, and just so many of them you can order from online. So even if you don't have an independent store near you, you can still order from indie bookstores online. Yeah, I just yeah. ordered our next book that we're doing from Books Are Magic. You can check their their site out. They're yeah. still shipping out. So. And bookshop.org is where a lot of indie stores use as their sales platform for ordering online, and it's it's getting bigger. It's just. Right now, if you've got an extra, you know, 25 bucks burning a hole in your pocket and you want to do something for an author or for a bookstore, go pre-order a book. For sure. That's a great, great thing to say. And I think it's important to note that, you know, people are, you know, there's a lot of talk about like what kind of jobs are essential jobs at this time. And I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter saying things like, well, how is like art like essential it's like that like the same people saying that are the people who are sitting around reading binge watching tv and binge watching movies like all day long while they're stuck inside it's Mm -hmm. like this is this is essential that is also art yeah like art is spotify while you work from home yeah art is what keeps us like having any semblance of like hope at all (laughs) about the world so it's important to support that Ellie, 
Ellis sent us epic listener feedback. Yes. About 12 things. Oh my God. If somebody wants to read that. Ellis. Uh, I'll read it. Thank you. Hi squad. Ellis here with another multiple book listener feedback. I always let them pile up. Maybe now that we're all stuck in quarantine with nothing to do, I will be more timely. That's okay, Ellis. Before I get into the books, I want to say thank you for doing another Book Squad Games episode. All of my bugging you paid off. The new song and just the whole episode made me laugh a ton, especially Todd being forced to say pussy a hundred times. Also, congratulations, Todd and Mary. (laughs) Yay! Thank you. Not on that, but on your engagement. No, not on Todd saying pussy. I I congratulate us for getting Todd to say. Yeah, I'm proud of us. I also congratulate us on that. (laughs) Oh well, there's there's a Grady shout out in this next paragraph. So all right, elevation. This book had its moments, but a lot of it felt very okay, boomer. As Emily said, I am (laughs) reading along with Grady Hendrix's great Stephen King reread blog currently. I'm a latecomer to the Stephen King game, so they're all a first read for me, and I finished The Shining right before picking up this book. The Shining is so raw, scary, and violent. Elevation comes off really dry in comparison. Clearly, Stephen King is at a very different part of his life, and he had different goals in writing these books, but I prefer the carnage of his early work to the feel-good vibes of Elevation. Three out of five stars. Ready? did you read Elevation? I didn't. I didn't. It's fine. It sounds like I should have read your blog before I asked you if you read at people, because that's probably why you had read it. So, my (laughs) bad. (laughs) Uh, We'll talk about that another time. All right. Uh, We have always lived in the castle. All caps, I love this book. Oh, my God. I cannot believe I never read any Shirley Jackson until now. The book created such a rich world. I connected to... I connected so deeply with the characters and found the plot really engaging. Hill House is the next in my reading stack. I immediately loaned Castle to my coworker and made her read it, and she loved it too. I also really enjoyed the discussion you all had on the pod about women pioneers of genre fiction. I live for sci-fi and horror and only recently have started to seek out female authors in these genres. Every time I discover a new female author whose voice is compelling like this, it's really exciting. Five out of five stars. Woo. That's and finally, The Need. I have mixed feelings about this book. The setup was intriguing, and the way the chapters wove the two Molly stories together, playing with time, kept me turning the page. However, I found the end disappointing. There was so much tension set up, with Molly being scared of both Malls and her own potential for violence, that when everything just kind of works out fine in the end, it seemed like a waste. A thriller novel should have an exciting conclusion, and this book just kind of fizzled out. Three out of five stars. Hope you are all well and staying inside. Cheers, Ellis. Thanks, Ellis. Thanks, Ellis. Thanks, I, my personal challenge to you, Ellis, if you're listening, is to read our next book with us. Yes. On time. Gideon the Ninth. I was just going to say, what kind of messed up dystopian world do we live in? Where like uh, uh, someone who sounds like a, a healthy, functioning, totally balanced adult like Ellis can get to this point in their life and never have read Shirley Jackson. Like, isn't that forced (laughs) to people in high school or something? I'm not blaming Ellis. I'm blaming the system. I'm blaming the system. No, it's true. I had never read Shirley Jackson. Me neither. I had not even read The Lottery until we read read We've Always Lived in the Castle. I read The Lottery in high school, but nothing else. It's a bad one. It's a bad world. She is literally one of the most important writers of the 20th century. That's crazy town. I, agree. I think it's partially that she's a woman, but it's also partially that horror is not valued uh, in the education system unless it's like 
really like old like either Frankenstein Dracula or Frankenstein which is sci-fi yeah because yeah. I can't tell you I can't imagine any 15 year old not loving we've always lived in the castle yeah mm-hmm. like it's such a perfect I mean it's a great book in general but like 15 you discover that book and that's yeah. the kind of thing you'll just like latch on to yeah. forever yeah, and there's so and much great stuff everybody. that we didn't get to read, and so much stuff that would have, like, created readers out of teenagers, and instead we were reading, like, Thomas Hardy. It's like, yeah. no one wants to yeah. read that. Um, sorry, Thomas Hardy, I but agree. except I'm not sorry. <laughs> I like some Thomas Hardy. Um, <laughs> boo. I Okay, in, in the ninth grade, we literally read five Thomas Hardy books. Okay, that's too much. I hated oh, every single one of them. I hated them that all. That sounds like your teacher had a thing for Thomas She Hardy. certainly did. We read Jude the Obscure, <laughs> Tess of the Dubervilles, Ooh. Mayor of Casterbridge, um, Far From the Madden Crowd. I think that was the f- – I think we read four. But anyway. That's a lot. There are so many authors that aren't – Thomas Hardy, yeah. that you should also have read. Yeah, just, Thomas Hardy hates women. There's Shirley Jackson in there. <laughs> yeah, so was Shirley Jackson, just one. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Ellis. Um, if if you can, as Mary said, maybe try to read Getting in the Knife with us. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's hitting some of the buttons Yeah, that you like. Okay, we got one more feedback. Uh, yeah, we have a feedback for The Need. This is from at Split City Reads, um, Melanie and Allison, who are in Kansas City. On, and they we, we got in touch with them on Twitter, and uh, basically they said that they had just read The Need. I'm not sure which one of them was responding to me, which is why I'm not saying one of their names. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Uh, and I was like, oh, well, you should check out our episode. And so uh, they responded and said, I listened while snuggling with my own fur baby, my dog Grendel, which is a great name for a dog. It is. Great dog name. Yes. And loved your frank discussion of motherhood. As someone who's also a non-parent, I felt like the need, yes, gave me some horrific details about motherhood, breast milk, yikes, but also so made me feel milk. that if I do choose to have a child, this novel will help me give myself some grace in the tougher moments. Also, I have some questions for whoever wrote that New York Times review you mentioned. Um, (laughs) same. But, uh, I wanted to give them a shout out just because, um, I went to their Twitter profile and they are a blog, they're not a podcast, but they seem to have really similar interests to us and their bio even says something about, like, we read and love our pets. Uh, and they have, like... That's what we do! Yeah, they're... They're great, and they sent us some pictures of their adorable pets with books. Uh-huh. And uh, so their website is splitcityreads.com, and definitely check them out. Speaking of blogs, What's we have a blog. blog. <laughs> it's um, not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> let me just say, coronavirus is stressing all of us out. We have anxiety. We're, we've been very open about this. We as a podcast are just an anxious bunch. Yeah. And so it's been very hard to write. Uh, so the, the blog has not been as uh, bountiful with the blog post as it normally is. The blog has never been popping. <laughs> yeah. We do have a couple of things, and we're going to try to be better for you from now on. One thing is constant. And what is that, Mary? Survivor. Yeah. Survivor still happening. Um, Mary and I also are working on, or it'll be out by now, YA Book Club. We've got our next YA Book Club out for you. Uh, we're doing I Hope You Get This Message by... Farah Naz Rishi, which is, um, it's very strange reading this book right now because it's about these aliens message Earth and let them know they only have seven days left to live. And it's kind of like about how everyone is dealing with that. 
Um, which feels, it's just like, I, I feel like I relate to this book in a lot of ways. I wasn't expecting to when we first picked it out. Like, they only have um, seven days to live until a deadly virus is unleashed. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Um, so, yeah, but we, we, at this point, that will be on the blog, so check that out. And you guys have anything else on the blog? I believe Susan and I are going to, going to be writing a post about the Tiger King. That's right. Yeah. That's what everybody's watching right now. The Netflix documentary. We will be talking about Tiger King. Yay. Is it the fire fest of the big cat world? (laughs) (laughs) What a specific. That is a big flame. (laughs) Look, Susan and I very specifically are on our documentary bullshit. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Often together. And so the the whole fire fest team is coming back together for this one. (laughs) Well, shoot, Kelly, I feel like we gotta write something together. Maybe we gotta write about the visit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Revisiting <Finally>. the visit. Revisiting <laughs> the visit, yes. We I really like that. the visit, okay. All right, and then That's eventually... Good. Okay, we're gonna do it. ...shows that have been postponed will pick back up again, and then we'll have more to write about, and yeah. everything will yeah. hopefully be normal again one yeah. day. Yeah, maybe I'll write about that uh, new Bachelor spinoff if I get bored enough. I'll write about it with you. Okay, Mary, let's do it. Talk We're going to do it. Watch it. Happening right now. Cool. Right I'm not going to do it. <laughs> You're seeing it come past. I 1,000% refuse to watch that. It looks so bad. I can't do it. I will not do yeah. it. Okay, so what is next on the podcast, Mary? Go. Next on the podcast, on the illustrious date of 420. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hitler's birthday. Ah! Speaking of Nazis. I prefer its its other um, important meaning. Uh, we will be talking about Gideon the Ninth by Tasman Moore, and we will have special guest Leah Rachel Von Essen of While Reading and Walking. Yay! Mm-hmm. Here to you may talk remember with us. Leah from our which episode was she on? Uh, Freshwater, one that I was on. Episode. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I great. am really excited to read this book. It's just kind of been sitting on my shelf for a long time. And I've heard so many people say uh, nice things about it. And it seems up my alley. You know, give me give me irreverent lesbian necromancers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Mary, by the way, just I was looking at this while you're reading, but I, it's, I think it's Tamsin. Tamsin. I listened uh, how to pronounce her name, and so it's only right that I mess up the part I knew how to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> so well, we will definitely have this right um, when the episode comes out. Yeah, and then I'm practicing on our next other episode. After that, we will be watching and talking about Devs, the new series on Hulu um, from Alex Garland of Annihilation Ex Machina. Etc. We love him. Do not so. drink every time Mary talks about annihilation on that episode. Yeah, it's troubling <laughs> it's like, to imagine. Just letting you know ahead of time. Um, <laughs> or let's how drink drunk every you would be if you did that. Be a different um, game. But yeah, watch the show. For it's me. it's on right now. It's coming out once a week, and I think it'll be finishing um, in a couple weeks. So like a few weeks before our episode comes out. So yeah, uh, watch it, and then we'll talk about it. Join us for that. I'm enjoying it more than Dracula. I will say that. That's, oh, no. That's good. No, no, no. I'm enjoying it. That's I'm promising. Um, it's, it's got very ex machina vibes. Good. I did enjoy talking about Dracula. Yeah. I love I to did. talk about things that I didn't like watching. 
or reading. Um, the, the episodes about things that we hate always end up being much longer. It's true. Than things that we like. Uh, if you loved Dracula and think that we were all wrong, you can email us at the squad at booksquadgoals.com. Um, you can email us about anything we've ever talked about also. So please email us. You can send us feedback also on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at booksquadgoals. You can check out our website at booksquadgoals.com where we have some blog posts, not as many as usual. Uh, and yeah, thank you for listening. We hope everyone is staying safe and indoors. Please don't go outside unless you have to. Please, please, please. And if you have hard-hitting questions, journalistic questions for Grady, I'm sure you'd be happy to answer them for you, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. GradyHendricks.com. That is where you can find all the ways to get in touch with me and hit me hard with your journalism stick. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And don't forget to pick up the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Highly recommended by all of us. Yes. Out now. Yay. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me.